So we're still on the uh, topic of the orphan, spi- orphan spirit. We're doing the orphan series on today. Uh, we're like four or five, three or four messages into it. So if you um, have not heard these messages on the podcast, I advise you to kind of catch up because uh, I think what we four messages into it. I know one didn't get recorded. So we're like four messages into it. And so uh, we are on the orphan series now. I want to tell you what the orphan spirit is. All right. The orphan spirit is Satan himself. How was the orphan spirit initiated? By him getting kicked out of heaven. Once that relationship got broken with him and the father, he made a decision that he would never go back on. And that decision is you will never be comfortable in that relationship. I know we think he's trying to kill us, but he's not. He don't want you dead. Not in Christ. If he wants to kill you, he wants to do it after he gets you out of Christ. While you're in Christ, he wants to make you move sluggish. He wants to make you doubt the relationship at all times. That's why I told you the orphan spirit is the most ancient spirit on this planet. It was the first spirit that hit this planet. He said in his mind, I will be like the most high. And Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. (laughs) When he got to earth, he was by himself, darkness. And what the Bible said, it was darkness, it was void. That means it was chaos. It was chaotic here. The earth was dark, it was void, it was full of everything but the Father's presence. So he decided to put Adam and Eve here because the only reason why he created the earth and you is because he wanted to be a father. He wanted a family. He didn't put us here so he can play games with our life. Hey, It's a test. I'm going to put you here, see if you'll obey me. And if by the time you die, you don't obey me, I'm sending you to hell. That is the most stupidest plan. But you know what? That has been the agenda of the church. And I I hate to say this, but we turn people into atheists. We turn people into atheists. Making them think that as a sinner, you had to come to him and get perfect the moment you accepted Jesus Christ. That is impossible. That is impossible. And so what Satan did, when Satan seen Adam and Eve in the garden, talking to their father with his jealous bug, (laughs) he got mad and decided he was going to intervene. Now, oh boy, he knew he couldn't get to Adam. But he knew that Eve could get to Adam. (laughs) The Bible said he was the most cunning creature. That was a good move. What are you talking about? He know he can't get to me, but if he can get her, he know that's the only button I got. Dr. Hart, the only button I got. It's the only button I have. That's the only button I have. My uh, Lana said, I got, Lana told me, she said, you got a soft spot for mama. 
Well, I'm glad you see that. <laughs> I wouldn't try to hide it. I mean, but he knows. So he spoke to Eve with the agenda of destroying the relationship, and he succeeded. So when Jesus tells us the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, he's not talking about you. He's talking about your relationship with the Father. Because upon believing in Jesus Christ, the Bible said that we get eternal life. Eternal life starts when you are born again. And, and the beautiful part of eternal life is that the Father said, the moment you come into this relationship, on my behalf, it'll never end. That's eternal life. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you and know that you sent me. Jesus didn't come to this planet so he could have a bunch of worshipers and a bunch of followers. Let's get into the word. So this is the condition that Adam left us in. Adam left us in the condition of an orphan. John 14 and 18, Jesus told his disciples, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, I keep telling you, when he said, I would not leave you orphans, he was not saying, I would just pull you out the orphanage. He didn't say, I would not leave you in the orphanage. He said, I would not leave you orphans. So he was letting you know that, look, after I pull you out the orphanage, it is my job. It is my father's job to raise you and remove the orphan. Y'all believe that? And so, one thing that me and my wife always tell people in counseling sessions is that it's not your fault who programmed you. It's not your fault who programmed you. Jesse Hardy and Renette Hardy programmed me. And they were programmed by their parents, along with Chicago and the projects. There's no way I can come to the Father and have that all together in a moment of time. And so we tell people all the time that somebody programmed you, but it is your responsibility to reprogram yourself. It is your responsibility to look within yourself, look at your family, look at what they gave you, look at what the Father has for you, and flip a switch. Get into the word. Get into different information. I tell husbands as well as I tell wives, if you want to be a husband, it's too much material available. If you want to be a wife, it's so much material available. The thing is, do you want to be the wife the father called you to be or the husband the father called you to be, or do you want to be what was given to you? Because we're all stuck on default mode. You are, we're all stuck on default mode. And you have to realize that. When I was 36 years old, 2013, I had a vision. And in the vision, it was just, a, it was just 36. At the time, I was 35. And he was letting me know that once you hit 36, I'm about to take you on a roller coaster ride. Now, he didn't tell me like that. In the vision, I was 35 years old. In the vision, it just had 36. And I'm thinking, yeah, he going to use me when 36. Hit. Oh, I'm about to take over the planet. He was letting me know that once you turn 36, I'm going to remove you from the church and raise you myself. This is all of my message. I'm 
he was letting me know, I, I have to remove you from the church. And the reason why I have to remove you from the church, because me as a father, I'm not there. Now, this don't have nothing to do with the ministries. I can't, it don't have nothing to do with them. This has something to do with divine, uh, divine generation being on the inside of me and him seeing it and saying, if I'm going to get this out of him, this is the process I got to take you through. And so from 2014 to 2000, till we started this ministry, it was just me and him one-on-one. The crazy part about it is I was looking for church homes. Every time I go on a place, it was like, nope. And, and me being re- religious at the time, in my head, I'm thinking, but I'm supposed to be in church. And that wasn't true. I wasn't supposed to be in church. <laughs> Y'all ain't ready for it. Y'all waiting for someone to say, next. where was I supposed to be at? Where you supposed to be at? Where you supposed to be at? Where you supposed to be at? He said, you supposed to be in my household. <laughs> I was trying to come to church. And he, and he said, it's enough of that. You've proven yourself. You've cleaned toilets. You washed the floor. You served the pastor. You took up offering. You was over the brotherhood. You was a youth pastor. You've done everything that you could do in the church except be my child. <laughs> you showed me you can serve under rigorous situations. Under Pharisaic situation, you showed me that you, you are willing to do it. In 2010, I told him, like, look, I was in apostolic denomination. I said, look, it's the time I know him as father. I called him God. I was like, look, you're going to just kill me and take me out because I can't do this no more. I can't do this walking on eggshell stuff no more. I can't do this thing every day walking and not trying not to sin, trying not to make a mistake. And as soon as I make a mistake, soon as I'm, it don't matter how well or how long I go without making a mistake, it's the moments when I make the mistake. So I told him, I said, you know what, you got you to kill me. Just kill me and bring me home if that's your agenda. If the whole agenda is for me not to make mistakes so that when it's all said and done, because this is what the pastor, t- oh, oh, God, this is what he taught me. He taught us that when you die, you are going to stand in front of God, not a father. All right. And his eyes was going to be a fire and his tongue was going to be a sword. And when you're in that line, he's going to be reading all the things that you did for the Lord. And if you didn't do enough, you was going to hell. He taught us that the only way that you can serve God is to work in the church. I need you to know this. The reason why, because when I say certain things, it's because they were programmed in me and I reprogrammed myself. But it took me getting away from this. It took me getting away from ordinary church. Be, uh, let's go. All right. So we have to be reprogrammed. Now, the only place that happens is in this community. I could be wrong. Is there another place? I might be wrong. Is there another place that you can get programmed to be a child of God other than a spiritual community? That's why he don't want you to come to church. Because he know every time you come to church, something's going to be activated. He know every time you hear that word the right way, that you're going to become more like him. Why would he tell us conform to the image of my son? 
but then get mad at us. Then, but then we'll hear a word that says, as soon as you make a mistake, I'm going to send you to hell. Which one is it? I'm confused. Do I get time to conform or is it this next mistake could be it? I need to know. The church is the reason why we bipolar. I was sitting teaching one time at, at another church and, and in the middle of teaching about sonship, uh, the guy said, man, I knew them preachers didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> he said, I knew it was more to this than that with them stuff when the preachers was talking about. And I shook my head. It's a lot more. I haven't even started the message. Okay. Now, like I said, it only happens in his community. His community or his household is his presence, his community, and his word. All right? That's a whole other teaching. So I'm not going to. When the Bible says, love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, and soul, we took that to mean that we're supposed to love him and show him love when it doesn't mean that. The loving him with all of our, mar- our heart, mind, and soul is him telling us this is a welcoming love. I love you. Now I need you to put those things in my hands. And that's how you show me that you love me. Because the love that we are expected to give the world or even each other, we can't give it till he deposited in us. But this doesn't happen outside of here. This happens in the community. It happens in this household. And so this message on today, the title of the message is homework. Homework. He can't do the work until your heart is in his household. The Bible says wherever your heart is, that's where your treasures are. The Bible said that he wants to remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That only happens in the household. That only happens in his presence. That only happens when you see him as a father. It don't happen when you see him as God. Because when you see him as God, you see him how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob seen him. And they weren't his children. You see him how David did. Yeah, David danced out his clothes. He acted a fool, but Jesus didn't. Fine praise the Lord in the New Testament. Whatever. I'm just being honest with you. We speak like slaves. Most of our doctrine comes from Old Testament. We got the law. We got the gospel of Moses. We don't have the gospel of Jesus. Our first scripture on today will be, will come from Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. It says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet. Now, he's before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. So he's really just letting us know I'm going to send John the Baptist as a forerunner of Jesus Christ. All right. He sent John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah. Verse six says he will restore talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus and his ministry. He will restore the hearts of 
of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers so that I would not come and smite the land with a curse. So now I have to let you know, this is the agenda. Even when we teach, when we preach, when we gather, if you're going to do ministry in this ministry, every message that comes over this pulpit has to be as if the child is sitting in the father's household. It has to be because our agenda, my agenda on today is to return your heart to him. Or better yet, let me say it like this. The agenda on today is to show you his heart towards you. So did you give your heart to him? So that's the agenda today. But the thing you have to understand is this. It only happens in his household. It only happens in his presence. It only happens in his family. It does not happen outside of his community. It does not happen if you don't pray. If you don't talk to him, then there can be no communication. You can't be in. We got we got children. How do you look at your children when they're in your household but won't talk to you? And you can't kick them out. I'm just playing. I'm going to stop. <laughs> so we talked about a strange voice. The reason why we talked about, no, we talked about strange worship. And that a strange worship occurs when you hear a voice, a strange voice. Now, strange means that it is not a voice that, that we can affiliate with the family of God. So Jesus said that we are supposed to hear the father's voice. He said, we are not supposed to hear another voice. He said, when we hear a stranger's voice, he said, we will run. He said, we will not hear. We will not listen. Why? Because the voice that you hear automatically leads you to worship. Whatever voice you obey ends up controlling your life. Every voice you hear is associated with a nature. In this family, the family of God, divine generation, our focus is hearing our father's voice. It's hearing our father's voice, not the pastor's voice, but our father's voice. Now, a lot of how we hear his voice will be determined by how scriptures are presented to us. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how can you hear the word unless somebody's sent? So the person that is sent to you has to present the word in a manner of the father or or if they don't, you automatically go right back under law. Because you either hear the father or you hear Moses. Jesus don't even have a voice in this. I hate to tell y'all that, but he's a mediator between man and God. The Bible says he's a mediator. There's nowhere in the Bible where it tells us to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did he say that? That's not the purpose. I'm going to tell you how Jesus is your Lord. This is not even what I'm supposed to be talking about. This isn't even what I'm supposed to be talking about. I'm going to tell you two ways Jesus is your Lord. First way Jesus is your Lord is because once you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got the seed of Christ that made you one with Christ. That seed is his divine nature. And so now your agenda is to grow up into him, to grow up into Christ, which means because you have that seed, he now owns you. Because because you said that you gave your life to 
You gave your life to him because now that you've given your life to him, your job is to obey that seed in you. The second way is this. As a body, we are the bride of Christ. And the training in here is it is as if uh, um, you have a in a kingdom, you have arranged marriages. In a kingdom, the husband don't just go find his the son don't just go find his wife. The daughter don't, don't just go get her husband. That child is royalty. So what the father does is he finds a woman from another household and she is raised all her life to represent his name. So that when they get together, that union will be one. That's what's happening in the church. That's why we are called. That's why he's our Lord, because we are preparing to become his bride. But the relationship, our relationship is not with the Lord. Our relationship is with the Father. That's why the Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus. God is not the heir, and then Jesus is the heir, and then we're sub-heirs. That's how we live. All scripture is trying to tell us you're equal with Jesus. We say worship Jesus. No, Bible says you're equal with him. Worship the Father. Jesus said, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So who you said is your Lord said. <laughs> the one you say is your Lord said, pray to the Father. We're the ones that's disobedient. I could tell you why, but I ain't going yet. I'm not going to do that just yet. Because it's a it's it's satanic and it's very religious. And Satan is the god of religion. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, you do what your father do, and I do what my father tell me to do. They knew the law, they were obeying, they were keepers of the law. But he told them, God ain't your father. Yeah. Okay. So every teaching of his word should be should reveal his household. Every time a word come across the pulpit, you should be learning about your father, learning about the relationship or learning about his household, meaning learning about his world. Every message should be enlightening you of who he is to you in this relationship. Second Corinthians four and three. I told myself I was going to hurry up and get out of here today. And get y'all some rest, and then y'all went and turned it up. <laughs> Jesus. I had y'all in mind. <laughs> y'all weren't thinking about me, I guess. Second Corinthians 4 and 3 says, If the good news or the gospel we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, which means the opposer who is the God of this world. So if he's a God of this world, that means he's a God of the orphanage. He's the God of orphans. He's, that spirit belongs to him. That's why the Bible says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, meaning that you have disconnect from Adam and you have disconnected from the orphan spirit. All right? 
It says, Satan, who is a God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who believe, who do not believe. Now, you ask me, he's blinded the eyes of those that believe too. He can prevent some people from going to church. But in the church, he has totally removed the father. Most ministries are either Jesus Christ heavy or Holy Spirit heavy. We're father heavy. The reason we are father heavy is because this is the father's plan. You know how I know that? Jesus said it. Then Jesus turned around and said, he said, I don't say nothing unless my father tell me to do it. So he's letting you know my voice ain't even my voice. So when you hear me, no, it's my father speaking. Then he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will not bear witness of himself. But he's going to bear witness of me. So while he's bearing witness of me, because he's going to grow you up in me, I'm revealing the Father. Because the whole purpose of this agenda is to get you in this relationship forever. So it says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now, this word blinded means to blunt the mental discernment. Leading to a darkened mind. So, for instance, you make up a decision. All right? You're no longer going to work. The father told you what to do with your business. He already told you how to do it, what to do. Satan comes with his voice to constantly beat your mind up until you lose the thought, until you lose the sharpness or the voice of what the father is telling you to do. So while your mind is on point and it is precise, he constantly beats your head up, beats your head up until you say, you know what? I'm just going to go back to work. Hmm. Now you at your job for the next 20 years. Although you got a word. He blunts our mental discernment. That's why I tell you, look, husbands, wife, parents, children. I hate to tell you, children, your parents ain't the one that said obey your parents. It was the Heavenly Father. I hate to tell you, husbands, it was not your wife that said love your wife like Christ loved the church. It was your father. Oh, boy. All right. Wives, it was not your husband that said submit. It was your father that said that. But Satan has a way of making you feel like he said that. <laughs> so you're not going to do it because you think he said that. What you just did was remove yourself from your father's household to do it your way. He told us to love our wives as Christ loved the church through mistakes, situations, circumstance, no matter if she don't want to be wife this week. Those were the instructions from the father. The instructions were not be a wife as long as he's a husband. It was not be a husband as long as she's a wife. See, we're moving your heart back into the household. 
And so Satan, what he does is he blunts at that. He constantly picks at that, picks at that, picks at that until eventually you break. I ain't submitting to nobody. I ain't loving you. Now both of y'all have moved out the father's household and took your marriage with it. <laughs> now you're talking about divorce. Divorce. Now your mind is darkened. He did what he wanted to do. Mission accomplished. He do the same thing with you. Obey your parents. Soon as you get a chance out of their sight to do something, you jump to it. As if we said it. Not knowing on the other end, you're going to get busted. Why? Because your parents love the Lord. <laughs> because your parents are being obedient. Yeah, I know you don't want to look over here. I know you don't. This brother, he get caught. Yo, my, what do he do? And I'm like, what do you do? Like, I'm like, brother, it's. I'm like, bro, you good? He's like, you know what? I'm good this year. I, I ain't going to do nothing this year. Cause I'm not, you're going to get caught. Like, you can go high, try to sneak. It don't matter. Alana goes in my wife's, in our room. And she, she got, I don't know, you know, kids go through phases. This phase was face mask. Okay. Face buds and all that stuff. So. God gives my wife a dream, and in a dream, Alana's going in our room and getting face mask for her face. She, she asks her, Alana, did you go in my room and get a face mask? Yeah. <laughs> he gave her, y'all are never going to, see, but that only happens in this community. It only happens in this community. Y'all kids better get together and talk and say, we got to do something. Because <laughs> they own to us. <laughs> you know how the Scooby-Doo thing? I would have got away with it if it wasn't for those darn kids. <laughs> like, we would have got away with it if it wasn't for that dog on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so it says that Satan has blinded. No, we're blind means, like I said, to blunt the mental discernment and to darken the mind. So it says that he has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. He says they are unable to see. Why are they unable to see? Because he blinded them. He said they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So because their minds are blind, they can't see the good news. Mm. Mm. Because they're blind, they can't see the good news. The good news is not somebody died on the cross, so you won't go to hell. That's not good news. It's not good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and if I stop sinning, maybe I can make it into heaven. The relationship was the good news. So he has darkened the mind of those. He has, he has blinded the mind so where we can't see the relationship, but we can see religion. So he blinded them from coming to church. He blinded us from seeing the father. Christians get mad when I say, I don't know. I don't serve the Lord. He's my brother. <laughs> I co-labor with my father. All right. I think y'all got some religion in y'all. I felt that. So it says they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. 
They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ. So watch this. They don't understand in their mind the message about the glory of Christ or that we are in the likeness of him. So they don't understand that we now have a new father. We now have a new family. We now have his DNA. We are joint heirs. They don't understand that we have purpose. We have destiny. They don't understand that we can live from his riches and glory. They don't see that. That's why I'm not a big fan of good services. I'm not a big fan of good services because good services don't build your mind. It attacks your heart. You can feel the presence, but your mind needs to be dealt with. The Bible says you are transformed by the renewing of a good service. (laughs) You're not transformed by the renewing of prophecy. That's not what transfers. You constantly hearing the word over and over and over, but you can't be hearing word that's religious. You have to hear the word that is talking about the father. You have to hear a word that puts you in his household. I told you it is a danger to tell an orphan you got to work your way home. It's a danger. He knew our situation. On one hand, you're born again, so you're an infant. You don't even understand my world. How many of y'all been to heaven? I know, yeah. Two people, okay. I should have said it better. How many of y'all grew up in heaven? Only person raised their hand was Jesus. <laughs> That's why he sent a son. If he wanted us to be slaves, there was no need to send Jesus. We had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We had Elijah. We had Enoch. Now, come on. That's a story. Brother didn't do nothing wrong. He just got taken up. Can I get that? (laughs) We had Deborah. We had Samson. We We had all these people. We had Solomon. Why Jesus? It's not, if he wanted us to be servants and obey the law, are they not enough? Why does he need to send a son that every time he, he run into a Pharisee, he got conflict? Every time he run into a sinner, he treats them different. He's eating with the sinners and tax collectors. Because when your heart is in his household, it don't matter who you hang with. <laughs> It's when your heart is not. When your heart is in the church, watch who you hang out with. Paul said, look, he said, it's some certain things that are going on out here, and I don't want you hanging out with these people who do these things. But then he said, I'm not talking about people outside the church. I'm talking about the people who do this stuff in the church. He said, because if you were to not hang around people outside the church, you won't talk to nobody. You'll be on a beeline, home church, home church, because it's filthy out there. Satan said that the world has been given to him. He gave his son for the sake of the world. That's the battle. Satan, like, I want to keep you in the world. The father, like, no, I want to move you into my household. Where are you? 
Remember, the agenda is to return the heart of the father to the children. And then we can return the heart of the children to the father. But like I said, this can only be done in his household, his family, his community, his presence. I'm going to say this again. Every word has to be taught, preached, and practiced as if we were in his household. For this reason, because your household is supposed to become an extension of his household. Your business, your marriage, your family, your neighborhood, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. He even let us know. He said gift and talents come without repentance. Why he say that? To let you know. You can have gifts and talents and still not be in my household. You can be gifted. You can be talented and still not live from my household. Ooh. So what I'm about to do now is... Because this whole series has really shifted. And I, I came into this series teaching about the orphan spirit. And it turned into us, me having to understand that this ministry represents the spirit of adoption. When you join this ministry, you got adopted. Now it's our job to get you your inheritance. That's what this ministry is. It's the spirit of adoption. The only reason people come here is because they want to be children. The folks that want to be religious, they're going to leave. That's why John said, had they been with us, they would have never left. There's no way you can come in here and, 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 and get mad at what I teach. I was talking to a pastor one day. He said, well, ain't nobody ever came up against your teachings. That's not true. But how can you? <laughs> how can you? I have not said one word since I grabbed this mic that led you to me. I have not said one word since we started this ministry that led you to think you should be following McKinley. Every message that come off this pulpit is telling you, you need that relationship with him. Because we see each other four or five times, four or five hours a week. If you only holy in my presence, that's why Paul said, I need you to be holy, not only in my presence, but also in my absence. I'm, I'm building you so this relationship is Authentic. And also, because I like my family and I want y'all calling me all the time. Okay, I'm just playing. <laughs> but that's what, look, since we started this church, folks who used to call, call less and less. Growth. Now, I don't mind y'all calling me. No, please, don't. We got to say because the devil worked a certain way. Call me. I'm here for that. I'm built for it. I'm called to do it. I don't mind. Like she said, I've been putting myself on the back burner. I don't care less because I learned this. The more I put myself on the back burner, he take care of me. <laughs> Anybody who know me know I, I don't need nothing. You know why? Because I gave him my life. Not my situations. Not my circumstances. Not my marriage. Not my problems. 
You got everything. This belongs to you. And that's how it should be when you're in his household. You can't have part of you in his household and part of you in the world. This is what we're building. And so what I'm about to do next is I'm about to read some scriptures. But this is going to be a new practice for you guys that I'm going to do uh, um, that we're going to incorporate in this ministry. And I want you to start to hear the Father in scripture. When you read the scripture, you should hear, read the scripture as if your father's talking to you. You should read the scripture as if you're sitting in his household across the table and he's giving you instructions. Y'all ready for this? Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. You hear your father? That's him talking to you. He's letting you know, son, daughter, if you walk in the spirit, which means if you take these spiritual lessons that I'm giving you, if you do things according to my household, I promise you this one thing, you would not carry out the desires of your flesh. Let's see what he said in verse 17. Teaching moment. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit. This is him raising you. And the spirit desires what's against the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that what you don't want to do, you end up doing. This is your father talking to you. When you read the word, he's letting you know the reason why you keep doing the thing that you don't want to do is because you are not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. So what I need you to do is fast. And because you haven't fasted, you haven't been in the word, you haven't been in my presence, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, and you don't hear my voice. No guilt. No guilt. Let's see what he said in 18. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. So if you do things according to how I teach you to do it in my household, there ain't no law against that. If you do it how I said it, there's no law against that. There's nothing that they can say to you. The spirit realm is for you when you do it my way. The spirit realm only responds to the character of Christ. It don't respond to hallelujah. It don't respond to you lifting your hands. It don't respond to you running up and down. It don't respond to you just print. No, it don't respond to you doing any of that. It responds to you conforming to the image of his son. Verse 19. Now, we still in his household, right? And he's talking to you, right? Now, his agenda is to get you spiritual. So he got to teach us. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Son, I see them. Everybody see them. If you spiritual, you see the works of the flesh. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But notice this. He didn't say now sin. This is him speaking to you from his household. He said, now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. That ain't allowed in my household. If I'm raising you, you don't do that. 
moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds. So he's saying in my household, I don't care if they are racist. You still love them. He said hatreds. There are various forms of hatred. Racism is just hatred. We put the name on it. So if someone's racist to you, then you turn back around and you hate them because they're racist to you. The devil brought you out, took you out the father's household and brought you into his. Now you don't like them because of the color of their skin, which is stupid because you're supposed to be spiritual. Strife. Jealousy. Oh boy. Outburst of anger. You got to hear your father. Selfish ambitions. You got to hear your father. He's letting you know these things are not acceptable in my household. I'm not going to kick you out, but we got to deal with this. You see it in yourself. That's why I told you when you worship, you lay before the father and say, teach me. Why? Because you don't know. Remove this from me because there's a lot of flesh there still. Impart this because that's what you really want, right? Dissensions. And this one right here, factions. I'm Democratic. I'm Republican. Factions. Ain't for nobody. I can care less. In his household, you ain't Republican. You ain't Democrat. You ain't from the Tea Party. You ain't independent. You are for him. His will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's it. He don't want factions. Factions are two groups going against one another. Because what ends up happening is this. The moment you are from one group, you automatically blind. I love y'all too. You said keep going? All right. Verse 21. Envy. Drunkenness. Now, he didn't say drinking because I know we want to make a big deal. No, he didn't say. He said drunkenness. Drunkenness has nothing to do with you getting drunk. Drunkenness has to do with your soul saying, I'm getting messed up tonight. He want to kill it there. He don't want to wait till you got the bottle in your hand, you done drunk it all, and now it's a sin. <laughs> we crazy. I'm okay. We crazy. Folks walk in your house as soon as they see a bottle of wine. Oh no, that's the devil. No, you got no control over your flesh. So you scared of a bottle of wine. If you can't drop, dominate a bottle of wine, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> if you can't dominate food, what you going to do with your life? We all want to be kings and queens, but the first thing you must have is a territory. What are you dominating? If you're a king, if you're a queen, the first thing you should be dominating is your flesh. You can't be a king and you can't dominate your flesh. Your organs can't control you, bro. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Your, your, your figure can't control you. It shouldn't. We should not be controlled by anything other than his spirit and his presence and his voice. All right. 
carousing. That just simply means getting drunk at a party. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. Say not too much communion. No, explain. <laughs> All right. And anything similar. Now watch this. I am warning you about these things. He's parenting you. As I warned you before, that's all the, that's all the uh, uh, epistles are. It is Paul raising the church. You just got to see him right. It says, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will go to hell. I ain't up there? Oh, I wrote it wrong. He said you would not inherit the kingdom of God. He took sin as a thing that is stopping your inheritance. He said the works of the flesh are these. And if you continue doing these things, all this stuff I got behind this curtain, you can't have it. Okay, keep carousing. I got all this money I want to give you. I got all this influence I want to give you. But as soon as I give it to you, you're going to take them to the liquor store, then take them to the party. So I can't give it to you until you grow up. All right, keep moving. He said you would not inherit the kingdom of God. That is here on earth. The Bible said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. So the more you do those things, you're killing your righteousness. I made you right. I put you on the right path and you keep veering. You know, all Jonah had to do was just go to Nineveh. He just had to go to Nineveh. He did not, he didn't need a well. He didn't need the well. If he would have just went to Nineveh, the well doesn't swallow him up. It's when you go the other direction that he got to swallow you up with the well to get you back to where you need to go. So the more you stay in those things, he's letting you know you lose peace. You lose joy. You lose power. You lose authority. That's why Satan comes to Jesus and say, bow down to me. If you bow down to me, I will give you these things. Come on, bro. But the thing about Jesus that's different from us is he's seen the riches and glory. He knew his father. So it was easy to say it is written because it is only written on your heart when you're in his household. If it is not written, it's because you have not spent enough time in his presence, in his household, in his word. You have not spent enough time fasting and engaging him. And therefore, when you go to make a decision, you hear your voice. Sometimes we say it's God's voice. I've done it several times. The Lord told me to, nah. It's been time I said it and God said, I didn't say that. And I kept going with it because the person believed me. (laughs) I know y'all won't admit that. Whatever. All right. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such. Now, you can only get these things in his household. 
He's letting you know, if you grew up in my household, these are the things that will be a part of your character. But we have to understand, we just got attached to the vine. Jesus brought these things from heaven. Why were these automatically in him? Because of where he grew up at. Because while he was in his ministry, while he was dealing with the Pharisees, Sadducees, while he was dealing with Herod, all them, he was still in his father's household. He kept letting them know, I and my father are one. So it don't matter what you say, my mind is set on the default mode of how I was raised in the household. Is this making sense? Verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's self-explanatory, ain't it? If you say you belong to this family, you are constantly crucifying your flesh so that the spirit man can rise up and live. Seven-day fast started today. The whole objective is kill that flesh so I'm more present in his household. So when you teach, you're in his household. When you prophesy, you see, when Jesus would lay hands on a blind person, he did it from his father's household. We did it coming out of Adam's household trying to get spiritual. So it it was a little less effective. (laughs) Verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So he's letting you know, if you live in the spirit, then you should be walking in the spirit. Your whole conduct should be there. So your conduct should tell you where you live in. And I'm not talking about your actions. I'm talking about your mind. Some of y'all serial killers in your mind. I kill some people. <laughs> some I'm ser- some of y'all done took out a whole city, whole family, everything. You done bombed them, dropped, got a fighter jet, everything. Came through with grenades. That's where it starts. At. He's not trying to raise your flesh. All these things on, look, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, He didn't say be transformed by a new mind. He didn't say new, he said renew. So this mind was already, you're supposed to have this mind. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You got to read this Bible as if you are in your father's household and he is talking to you. The next scripture, Galatians 6 and 1, says, brothers and sisters. Now, now remember, this is your father talking. Amen. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also will not be tempted. This is in his household. He's saying, look, if you caught your brother smoking crack with six prostitutes,
restore him or her with a gentle spirit. This is your father talking. I know we like to say the Bible say. No, the Bible don't say nothing. You read it and interpret it according to the relationship that you have. If you have a relationship with religion, you see it religiously. If you have a relationship with your father, you have to hear him telling you. It don't matter what you do, what somebody do. Restore them with a gentle spirit. Those who are spiritual, 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 spiritual means that my ways are are in you. You're no longer carnal. Now you're starting to see things my way. That's what spiritual means. So when people say they spiritual, I had to ask them, what type of spirit? <laughs> it's a lot of spirits. If you're going to say you spiritual. And then he said, he said, do this so that you won't also be tempted, which is a spiritual law. If you want to get on somebody about their problem, their situation, their circumstance, then you can best believe them demons will be coming to your front door next. It says so you won't be tempted. Yeah, they got this problem. They always doing this and they always doing that. And they, they he'll be right at your door. Because the father said, I'm going to release them on you to show you that you ain't no better. <laughs> You're not doing as good as you think you are. You just got some things together. You don't have everything together. You have to hear your father raising you. He's telling you how to conduct yourself in all situations. Verse 2, carry one another's burdens. Oh, that's just Chris. You got to do with me. I'm good. Really? No, you're not. According to you, you good. According to your father, you're disobedient. Carry your brother's anointing. Carry your sister's, I mean, carry your uh, burden. Or you might get some anointing too. <laughs> I'm telling you, the best thing you can do is give your life. The more I look out for people, I, I found out he looks out for me. I just found that out. And so it's just, it's just who I am. I told me and my wife have been married for 13 years. 10 of them years, people have lived with us. Most of the people, some people who even joined this church have lived with us. So it ain't like we started a church and, 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 and we got this private marriage. No, we put people right there in our household and they seen our marriage. They seen Dr. Hardy bullying me. <laughs> they seen it. Didn't say nothing. But they seen it, didn't you, Ola? <laughs> she said, no, I ain't see it. See, I told you. <laughs> What, Eric, you see her? You ain't going to say that neither? What about Tremaine? Can I, somebody? Did nobody see some Dr. Hardy bullying me? I need to tighten up. See, you see this? <laughs> Gotta love family, right? Y'all ain't carrying my burden. Carry one another's burden. In this way, you will, refill, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, the law of Christ is the law of sonship. This is the only way we know that we brothers and sisters. Jesus said, have love 
one for another. He even went further than that to say, the love that the Father has given me, I give you, now love one another. He's letting you know, I was in his household, I received love, I'm giving you the love I got from his household so you can go love like me. But we stay stuck in this mold. We try to love people with our love. Your family love ain't no good. It just ain't no good. I'm just telling you, they only love you when you do something for them. <laughs> they only love you when you tell, you, tell them what they want to hear. Verse 3, for if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. All right, let's keep it moving. Verse 4, let each person examine everybody else's work. Turn, look at your neighbor and say, your work. I always wanted to do that. I don't get to do that very much. Let each person examine his own work. And then, that's why I tell you, if you're a husband, you better be a husband. Don't be examining your wife's work. Oh, all right. Kids be kids. Don't examine the parents. Akira, don't do it. I'm not playing. Look, where am I? Let me see so I won't lose my place. Okay. Akira is going around mimicking everybody in the church she got you she got you soon as you said it i said i looked at akira (laughs) say that that's good that's what she was doing (laughs) she walks through the house mimicking everybody she got kirby my wife everybody she got y'all down i'm telling you which lets me know she's listening Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone. If you look at what the Father wants you to do and look at what you are doing, if you examine yourself, you can only take pride in what you are doing according to what he said you should be doing in his household. Because the whole purpose of being in his household is so that... mm, Let me keep going. And then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself to someone else. Don't worry how I teach. Teach like you teach. Don't compare yourself to me when you grab the mic. Do you. You're not going to pray like Dr. Hardy. You're not going to pray like Sierra. Pray like you. You don't see me trying to grab this mic and do Dr. Hardy. I can't. I don't want to. Okay, because the thing about it is this. If I did do that, what would end up happening is I'll put it on the sideline. Because I want to show people what I can do. No, that's why y'all see me sit back. I'm chill. Let them do. Lay hands. Nope, I don't have to run up. I'm the pastor. Hold on. Like I got the golden hand. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like out of all the hands in here, he want to just use mine. No. (laughs) I'm sitting back. They got it. What I need to do? Jesus. Philippians 2.13. I got like two scriptures left, y'all. So now, the scripture just said, examine your own work. All right? Because what I want to show you, that in his household, he is trying to do something. 
Verse 13 says, for it is God who is working in you. Now, it is God who is working in you. Now, he can only work in you in his household. He can only work in you in community, in his presence. If you don't go in his presence, he can't work in you, his will, and to do his good pleasure. He's trying to work that in you by raising you through pastoral teaching, through the fivefold ministry, through time spent with the Holy Spirit, through several encounters. Y'all see the uh, series that uh, Dr. Hardy just did? She done showed you like 60 ways that you can hear from your father. You can't miss it. Every situation and circumstance in your life is a divine encounter. It's a divine engagement. He's talking to you more than what you think he is. Mm. So he wants to work in you. Now, Philippians 1, 6. So God is working in you, right? The willing to do is, right? Y'all going to say something back? Y'all got me saying right. At least say left. No. <laughs> Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work. So your father started a good work. Why did he start a good work? Because he wanted to work in you his will and to do his good pleasure. But that only happens in his household. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on. He's letting you know your father, anytime he tells you to imitate me, there has to be some classes for that. It has to be some classes. It has to be some, watch this, some classes and some patience. If I expect my son to imitate me, that's the process in the natural there's going to have to be some class. There's going to have to be some patience. And we have to lose this mindset because anytime the father says, be patient with Aish, he's automatically telling me, I'm going to be patient with you. Automatically. But when you hear religiously or you don't hear according to his household, you think when he says to love somebody that that doesn't mean that he's going to love you. And so when you miss it on the love thing, you forget that he loves you. But when you understand that you're coming from his household, you see his commandments as something that he would do first. He would do this first towards you. We'll read the whole, watch this, the whole, what is it, the 13th chapter of Corinthians? The whole love chapter? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love never fails. Love never, love never seeks its own. Is he telling you to do that towards people? But he ain't going to get that. He's he not going to do that towards you. His love fails, but your love is supposed to. He's trying to work love in you. He's trying to work this life in you. He's trying to work your ministry in you. That's why he keeps sending people your way. 
And the devil's stressing you so you think you're too busy. No, you're not too busy. <laughs> you, if you get on your face and you hear from your father, watch this. Jesus didn't wake up in the morning. I ain't got to finish it, do I? He didn't wake up in the morning his whole day. He planned it. The Bible said he got daily bread. All right. Ephesians 3 and 20. As I close. Now to him, our father, who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So, he started a work that he's not going to finish. I mean, that he's going to finish. He started a work that he's going to finish. The religious part came out, I'm sorry. (laughs) He started... He started a work that he's going to finish. That work is to work in you his will and to do his good pleasure. He's letting you know that the power that is in you is only going to be that in which you allow him to work in you. So the power only comes out like you allowed him to work it in. Outside of his household, you haven't been praying, he ain't working on, nothing being worked in you. If I don't spend time with my kids, everything else raises them. That's naturally. If you don't spend time with your father, the stuff you spend time with is raising you. Is that better? Your Netflix binge is bigger than your prayer life. Therefore, when you get mad, you acting like a character. (laughs) Now, enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy life. Okay, he wants us to be able, look, I think personally, I think the whole thing with TV now and the way you can watch it when you want to, wherever, I think that was a blessing for the church. Do your spiritual stuff. It's going to be right there. All the episodes in one spot. You ain't got to be thirsty. You ain't got to. You can watch it anytime. You can watch it after prayer. You can watch it after you read the word. Netflix was a blessing from God. And y'all missed it. So I'm going to close. I think you guys got it, right? Amen. Amen. What we're trying to do here is get your heart back in his household. You can't pray from the secret place if you ain't in his household. You can't be under the shadow of the Almighty. If you're going to be under somebody's shadow, you got to be close. You ain't under my shadow. You got to, this is my shadow. You ain't under my shadow. Come here, come here. You ain't, see, if you stay back there, now he's under my shadow. He's closer to me. We got to get close to the Father. We got to give our heart back to him. 
Remove your heart. All this, this stuff is affecting, this stuff out here it should not be affecting your heart. It's crazy how through the teaching, preaching, and us just doing community, we forgot about COVID. <laughs> we had no COVID warnings last night. Pops full of people. What am I thinking about no COVID? We having a good time. Because the, what the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We were free in here. We weren't thinking about no COVID. We had people come. You know, I had them. Ain't nothing wrong with that. If you want to put your mask on, put your mask on. I'm not offended. But the agenda is we have to return our heart back to the Father. We got to give our heart back to the Father. You got to don't give your heart to Jesus. I'm sorry to tell you that. You're supposed to be believing in the finished works. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He let you know. The veil ripped. You talk to him now. <laughs> you talk to him. You ain't got to talk to me. I'm the mediator. Once the mediation is done, you talk to the person who I came to bring the relationship back. That's why people don't, un- they don't understand what the gospel is. Jesus never talked about us serving him. All his conversation was about, I come to bring you the father. I come to seek and save that which was lost. I came to give you the kingdom. I came to give you this relationship. All right. Y'all, this is the only way we're going to grow up. This is the only way we're going to grow up. We are not going to grow up being religious. From this day forward, I want you to read the Bible as if your father's speaking to you. Like, I want you to read scripture as if you, like, right there in that household with him, and he's talking to you. That's why I told you, when you worship him, you got to worship him like you're standing, you're sitting right in front of him. Father, teach me, Father. Teach me how to be like you, Father. Teach me how to love, Father. Teach me how to be a man, a father. Teach me how to be a king. This whole thing, God, you're so great and glorious. There's nothing like you. There's nothing we can ever do. What would we do without you? You're an orphan. You're a slave. Children don't talk to their father like that. At least I don't get it. You get that, Dre? <laughs> they don't come to you, Chris? Oh, you're so great. You didn't have to buy us no food. You didn't have to close us. You didn't have to put a roof over our head. And you get emotion, and then they start crying, and then all of a sudden they say, the presence of the Lord is in here. No. It's not the presence of the Lord. It's an orphan spirit. You don't know who you are. I buy this brother four or five pair of new shoes, all of them in the garage, collecting dust. He ain't thinking about, you know what I'm saying? Thank you for buying me. I, I thank you for buying me them shoes, all them clothes in this bed. I just thank you for it. I, oh, Lord, you didn't have to, Daddy. Yes, I did. It's my responsibility. That's his responsibility. This ain't your plan. This his plan. He put you here. He predestined you. He purposed you. He put you here and said, this is who you are. Wait, wait, wait. He said you was an overcomer. I know you, the Bible says, no, 
Your father said you are overcoming. Your father said you are victorious and you're triumphant. But you ain't been hearing it from his household, so you'll read a scripture, but you never walk in it. 